You're listening to episode 57 of the Winning to Wealth podcast, Effective Ways to Teach Our Kids About Money, featuring Kelly Calderon from the Smart Money Academy. You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, where you'll hear real stories from real people who are on the path to building real wealth. These stories will show you how to earn more money, pay off debt, start investing, and make better money choices so you can build wealth for your future. Now, here's your host, Michael Lacey. What is up, Wealthy Fam? And welcome back to the Winning to Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lacey. And on this episode, which happens to be episode 57, we're going to be talking about money and parenting, specifically teaching our kids about money. So 68% of Americans don't consistently live on a monthly spending plan. And 70% of Americans have no long-term financial plan, which includes things like savings and investing goals. And at least 49% of Americans say they often feel anxious about their financial well-being. Now, if we truly want what's best for our kids as parents, we have to step up and begin to talk to and teach our kids effective ways of handling money. And so that's why I brought on today's guest, Kelly Calderon, to share what we should be teaching our kids about money, when we should be teaching these lessons, and how to make these conversations much easier for us as parents to have. So with that said, hi, Kelly. Welcome to the Winning to Wealth podcast. And I'm really glad to have you here with me today to discuss this very, very important topic. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I like to do uh, just to kind of start the episodes off, I like to take it back to to your childhood, really, and kind of dig in and see, you know, wh- what was uh, money like for you growing up? What are, what are some of the hmm. money lessons that you learned as a child? That is not something we talked about a whole lot about in my house. Uh, my parents struggled financially. I definitely remember a lot of tension around money, a lot of stress and arguments. And it was something that I wasn't ever going to talk to my parents about because, you know, I didn't want to bring up more of that stress for them. So, yeah, I definitely remember a lot of tension around. I do remember at one point in time, uh, the church was bringing us groceries. I don't know the circumstance around that, um, but definitely we had to be in some sort of position for that to happen. So, yeah, it was not an easy conversation in my house for sure. So I can relate to that. Uh, I grew up in a very, very similar environment. Like, uh, it's crazy to hear you say that. Um, And I know for me personally, it kind of put me in this position to where I always felt like as a kid that once I started making money on my own, like I was going to I was going to get a good job. I was going to make a lot of money and I was just going to buy, buy, buy like whatever I could think of, everything that I wanted. Um, But I'm curious for you, like, how did that childhood affect your money decisions as an adult? Yeah. So I, same thing, like I got out into college and, you know, I got all the, all the credit card offers, right. Get the free t-shirt. If you apply for a credit card, oh my gosh, most expensive t-shirts I've ever owned. (laughs) We got, my husband and I, we met in college. We got all the credit cards. We went shopping for date nights. Uh, We just came out with bags of stuff every time we went on dates. It was crazy. Um, And we really dug ourselves a deep hole before we were even married. So it was an interesting way to start a marriage. And I knew in my gut something was wrong with what we were doing, but I didn't know exactly what we were supposed to be doing or how to do it differently. Oh, I, again, 
super relatable. Like in, in our story, my wife and I, we dated throughout our early twenties. And then we were like 20 when we got together. Uh, and same thing. We spent like crazy on credit cards, racked up a ton of debt. And for me, it was this feeling of like, we got married. Um, and on our honeymoon, I just, for the first time, I really felt like we make too much money to be struggling. Like we make really good money for us to not be able to fully enjoy our honeymoon. And so I'm curious for you, was there like a breaking point where you realized that something had to change in your own personal finances? Definitely. Um, So the first 10 years or so of our marriage, we really struggled. We had um, a car repossession. We had a bankruptcy. It was bad. It was, and the stress was unbelievable. And we would rebound for a little while and then sink right back to reaching for credit cards, you know, living beyond our means, that sort of thing. You know, I was kind of ready to, to make a change, but I didn't know what, what change to make and how to approach that with my husband. Cause I didn't have a plan in place, but he got to a breaking point where um, he looked at our student loans and after 10 years of paying on them, we had made no progress. In fact, I think we owed more than when we had started because we had been making the minimum payments or deferring and all of those things that you do. And so that was where his breaking point was. And he started to research things and he uh, came across the Dave Ramsey plan and then came to me and said, you know, I think this is something that we need to do. I was immediately on board because I knew we needed to do something. I just didn't know what. So it sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> so from from that point uh, where you guys, you know, come together, you get on the same page uh, with money and, and you, you know, you both decide like something's got to change. How long did your transformation take? And what I'm looking for here is like, you know, we had $61,000 of debt. We paid it off in 16 months. Um, and from there, we've just kind of continued to, to you know, make good money decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that transformation like for you guys? So we were very dedicated. We sacrificed every time, every penny that we could. We paid off $80,000 of debt in two years. It was almost two years to the week. Um, most of that time, we were living on my teacher salary. Uh, he was just getting into his career. Towards the end, we were starting, you know, his career was starting to catch up with mine as far as income. But yeah, we had two boys in daycare. We had uh, both of our boys were special diet, so that wasn't cheap either. And uh, so we, it was crazy. Most of that was student loans. Uh, there was a car payment. We sold the car and paid that off. And then there was a little bit of credit cards there too. So, but yeah, it was $80,000 in two years. That's awesome. That's amazing, amazing progress. So now I have to kind of transition into like why we're here. So what happened that inspired you to want to teach kids about money? Because it's one thing to go through your own journey. I mean, you know, at that point, you're like, hey, I've come out and, you know, my family's going to be good. Um, so what happened that inspired you to reach back and help other people? So Being out of debt gave me the freedom to pivot out of my career. I had been a classroom teacher, a public school teacher for 20 years, and I'd kind of been ready for a change. So I got out and went through financial coach training and tried financial coaching for a little while. And it wasn't really my thing. (laughs) Um, Just I would talk to these families, but really my passion when I'm talking to the adults is that talking to them about what they should be doing with their kids to make sure that their kids don't end up in this situation. And so I just kind of decided to marry my two passions of teaching, you know, and all of that experience. And then this passion of finance and, and instead of cleaning up a mess, give kids a vision and an excitement for a different future. So approach it from a a whole different standpoint. That's kind of where I, where the Smart Money Academy came from. When I talk to a lot of adults, you know, whether they're 20, whether they're 40, 60, whatever, and we're talking about money, you know, and I ask, even the question on the podcast, we'll talk about like, you know, what did you learn at home? 
most people say that they never really had money conversations, kind of like you and I's story. Like, you know, they, they never really talked about money or there was some sort of struggle or something like that. So why is it important, especially for parents to have those conversations early and teach our kids about money? Gosh, there's so many reasons why. Um, first of all, they need to hear that repetitively. Um, that kind of goes back to my teaching experience. You know, we don't just teach kids something once and walk away. They have to hear it several times. And so starting when they're young and giving, you know, building on on those concepts as they grow older is so important. But it also normalizes the conversation around money. When they are are nervous to talk to anybody and then they get into a pickle, they don't know who to talk to or who to turn to. And oftentimes they'll turn to a credit card to fix their situation, which end up, ends up making it worse. And so if they feel like they can talk to somebody, even if it's not their parents, not necessarily that that person is going to bail them out, but give them a different perspective, give them some different ideas of how to get out of this situation that they're in, they'll be so much better off. And so just normalizing that and normalizing that we all struggle, we all slip up, we all need to talk about it and figure out the best way to get out of that situation without hurting ourselves more. Again, as I talk to most people, like we all agree, I would say most adults agree that we need to be teaching our kids about money in some shape or form. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't usually happen. And, and a lot of people struggle to do that. Why is it that you think parents struggle to talk to their kids about money? And what are some practical things they can do to make those conversations easier? I think there's a lot of shame around money. Um, shame in maybe our money stories growing up, shame that we don't have enough, shame that we have more than our neighbors, shame in how we, maybe how we got the money. You know, there's a lot of shame that we need to get rid of and, and shame in our mistakes. My husband and I, you know, like I shared before, made a lot of mistakes with our money. And so we had the opportunity to hide that from our kids or to share it with them. And, um, my oldest, my 17 year old definitely remembers those times of us getting out of debt. And he knows our money story very well my youngest too, but doesn't remember as much, but he is so good with money. And so I, I want to encourage parents that, you know, our kids can learn from our mistakes. Not, we don't need to hide them. We need to share them. And then hopefully that will guide them away from making the same mistake. So when I was a teacher, we would do this thing called te- uh, read aloud. I'm sorry, think aloud. So we'd read a book and then we'd stop after each page and model what we were thinking for the kids. Hmm. I'm wondering why that character does that. Hmm, I'm wondering what he's going to do next, right? But we can do that as parents when we're shopping. So I see a a shirt and I decide not to buy it. Well, my child doesn't know why I didn't buy it, but I need to stop and model my thinking. Hmm, this doesn't really fit into our budget right now. Hmm, I don't really need another shirt. I have a whole bunch in my closet. You know, this is not a good value. So putting some thoughts and some words out there that So to give them an idea of what's going on in our head when we make purchases, that's a great way to start with little kids. I love that. And, and I want to go into kind of your family dynamic. So, and, and I want you to kind of share from your experience, but how impactful is that when parents share their own personal journey with their kids as they're getting better and learning about good money behaviors and all those things as they, you know, as the kid gets older? Oh, it's so impactful um, for so many reasons. One, it really brought our family together while we were, we had a common goal that we were working for, you know, and we could say to our kid, Christmas isn't going to quite be as big this year as it normally is. And he was like, that's fine. I understand that we're working as a, you know, towards a goal and we're working together as a family. And so it really brought us together um, to get through this hurdle together. But then as they get older, 
It's so important that they understand our beginning stories. This is something I talk to parents a lot is that we have spent years building up this lifestyle that they are experiencing, right? They have no idea the time and the effort that has gone into what they're living right now. And so they get out of the world and they can't have afford the same lifestyle and they feel like they're failing. And so, and a lot of times they'll reach for a credit card to fix that. And so what we need to be doing is sharing our beginning stories with them. Like when I was in college, we had lawn furniture in the living room. Or I drove, you know, I drove a car that, you know, the door handles didn't work and just share all those fun stories with them and let them know that where they're at in life is totally normal. It's okay. And with some hard work and some time, they will get back to the lifestyle that they are used to. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you shared that um, because that was also a part of my story. Like I said, so, you know, I grew up in poverty, but by the time I got to high school, you know, my parents, my parents weren't together. So both sets of parents you know, made middle-class incomes. We lived comfortably, we traveled, we did good things. But then when I got to my early twenties and I was on my own, it was like, wait a minute, I've gone backwards. Like I'm eating ramen again. And like, (laughs) I can't afford to go out with my friends and like, this isn't right. And so you're right. Like that does lead to, you know, a lot of poor financial choices. In my case, it was credit cards and car loans and all those other things. So uh, I'm really glad that you, you brought that up, but I do want to ask, like, is there a point where or an ideal point where these money conversations should begin? I would start as soon as their kids are asking you to buy stuff for them. You can start having the conversation about I work and I earn money. And now we take the money to the store and we exchange it for this thing that we want. Um, And especially with really young ones, they need to be seeing and handling hard cash, right? Like real cash, because, you know, it's a little like asking kids to understand the water cycle, but they've never seen it rain. Like all they do is see us swipe this card and they have no idea what went into what, what just happened, all the transactions that happened prior to that. And so it's really important for little kids to be seeing real money, handling real money, even though I know we're a little nervous about germs and viruses right now, but just wash hands real good. But we can't expect our kids to understand something so abstract if they've never dealt with the, the concrete. Um, so that I would start when they're very young and then, you know, all the way up to teenagers with my son, we are sharing, you know, our bills with him so that he understands how much we pay for electricity in our house and things like that. We're sharing our income with him so that he understands like this job pays this much, this job pays this much. He needs that information to make good choices for himself so that he's prepared when the time comes to take care of himself. So those money conversations start at two or three and Maybe never end. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get your thoughts and views on like an, a, a chore or an allowance type program uh, for younger kids. Like, where do you stand on that? I know some people are like, oh, no, we don't do allowance. We do a chore based system or like, you know, you got all these different methods. Um, where do you stand on that? So we do chores. Um, but I think the first step for families is to really decide what is the purpose of an allowance or chore money, whatever it is that we're putting out there. And so for us, the purpose was to teach our kids that if you work hard, you get money. That's, you know, to make that connection. And so we pay based on chores. Those chores are actually optional, no work, no money, because that's real life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so you want to do fun things. Now we pay pretty well for each chore, but they have to pay for their own stuff after that. So if they want to buy something or go somewhere, whatever, they have to use their own money because we paid them pretty well. They also put aside quite a bit of that money for future big purchases, cars, college, things like that. Um, but they always have the option to not work and be broke because that's 
I mean, in life, we have the option to be broke. Right, um, right. And so we didn't want to take that option away from them. So we do, that's how we do it. And I do understand the flip side of that. Um, there are some chores that our kids are required to do as, a, as just a member of the family that you have to contribute to this house. Um, but I just encourage parents that whatever system you choose, be really intentional. Sit down and figure out what is the purpose of this money? What do we want them to get out of it? Um, the other thing we wanted our kids to get out of it was to learn how to manage their own money. And you can't learn to manage money if you don't have any. And so that was our other purpose was to make sure that they had money to make mistakes with and make decisions with. And I, I kind of look at it as we have to make a certain number of mistakes in life before we're good at it, right? Well, I'd much rather my kids make their mistakes with money while they're here in my house and under, you know, under my protection than when they're on their own. And so that was kind of our purpose. But I just really encourage families to figure out their purpose first and then figure out the system. You know, I love that you said that part about making the mistakes under your roof. I I preach that all the time, like to my wife, to my cousins. I'm like, look, I want to teach her and I want her to stumble along the way and learn these lessons while she's here so that I can impart wisdom on her, you know, while she's under my care versus being out in the world and, you know, doing God knows what, and I don't know what's going on. Um, but I do want to ask you because something that you've touched on a couple of times is, you know, saving money um, and growing money and those sorts of things. So what are some ways that us as parents, you know, we can get our kids excited about the fact of saving money because it's not a glamorous task, like putting money aside, like even for us adults, sometimes, you know, we struggle with it. So how can we get our kids excited? You know, when we're getting catalogs in the mail around Christmas time and like all this other stuff, um, what can we do to keep them excited? Yeah, definitely. It's not an exciting topic. Um, so they have to have uh, something they are saving for at the very beginning. They need to be saving up for a toy or something they want. They have to understand uh, they have to have a goal. And then make it very visual, like a chart you're coloring on or something like that to help them see their progress. Um, side note, when you're saving with really little kids, it needs to be a clear container. And you need to think about what it looks like to the child. So four quarters laying on the bottom of a jar doesn't look like anything to them. But a dollar bill crumpled up is exciting, right? And right. so we need to make it visually exciting for them when they're little. They, you know, at Christmas time, they don't care the value of the gifts were they care how big is the box and how many boxes are there. Right. So right. we can, we need to play that game and keep them motivated that way. Um, as they get older, kind of the same idea, keep, keep goals in mind. One way that we encouraged my oldest to save for a car is a matching program. We told him we would match every dollar he saved up to a certain, a certain amount. Now he's a very independent, stubborn boy, and he has never cashed in his match. He actually, um, bought a car, fixed it up, flipped it, then added some more money, bought another car, fixed it up, and he's getting ready to flip that one. So he told us he's trying to, not, he doesn't want to cash in his his uh, match with us, which is shocking to me. But, you know, it's amazing how he is with money. and But it definitely motivated him when he was younger. So, so one thing I want to do now, I want to walk through just a couple of different age groups uh, and what I want to do is just kind of get some ideas from you about just some concrete things that parents should be teaching, you know, at certain age groups. Like for me, I have a two-year-old uh, right now, and our big thing with her is you know, teaching her that money comes from adding value. So when she picks up sticks in the yard, she gets a dollar. Or, you know, when she helps her grandparents, they've kind of adopted this mentality. They give her a dollar, too. Um, and so it's just teaching her that money comes from adding value. It doesn't just kind of appear out of thin air. 
So I want to talk about, let's say this, you know, under 10 age group. What are some things that parents should be looking to teach uh, while their kids are in that age range? I would definitely talk about savings at that age and starting to save for a toy or something like that. Start flexing that muscle, building that muscle. Um, That is something that's going to serve them their entire life. But that's something that's harder to add later into life. If they, you know, so I would definitely start with that and get them used to that delayed gratification, that persistence, um, and that patience to get the item that they want. Absolutely. So, okay, now I want to go into, let's say that 10 to 15 age range where, you know, they, they maybe don't have like a job yet. Um, but they're still, like you said, they're, they, they're old enough to know. Um, kind of what's what they've got a chore system working They're you know, they've got their own money. What are some concrete things that parents should be teaching around that, you know, preteen teenager mark? Uh, I would start talking to them about the idea of like spend, save, give, dividing your money into certain categories, uh, setting it aside and investing too. Um, so setting money aside into those categories and giving, you know, giving every dollar a job so that it's not just a lump sum that we do whatever with, we have to give it a job and teach our money what to do for us. Got it. Love it. And, you know, you've kind of touched on kind of what you do with your with your uh, son. Uh, but just again, with that, you know, age range from maybe 15, 16 on through college, like what are some money conversations that parents should be having around that mark? Definitely sharing bills, sharing income information if your child is ready. I know that some teens, you know, they all mature at a different level. And so if you don't feel like your child... Um, is ready to hear that or ready to not share that information, then go ahead and hold off. But um, they need to have an idea of what life is going to cost them. So I would definitely be focusing on that. Share your beginning stories around that time. That's really, really important. So great answer, by the way. And and I want to ask, like, what about the parents who are listening to this, who are, you know, they're trying to get their finances together right now. Um, and they have kids that fall in that older age range who are maybe used to a certain lifestyle that's kind of being cut back on and things like that, or they've never had those conversations before. How can those parents approach a 15, 16, 17-year-old and start having these conversations that they've never really had before? Mm-hmm. I would start by asking the teens some questions. You know, What do you think your life is going to be like when you get out? Uh, you know, when you move out of the house or what are you planning on studying or what do you think the income is around that job? And that kind of opens the door to have those conversations about, you know, well, you know, maybe things cost a little differently than you thought you think they do. Or uh, let's take a look at our bills and let me show you some things. And again, we're going to have to swallow a little bit of, of difficulty to get through those conversations. Right. But that's what's best for our kids. And, and as parents, we do what's best for our kids. And even if that hurts a little bit of our pride or, or, um, you know, it hurts to tell our stories sometimes, but I think kids can glean a lot. We'd rather them hear our mistakes than go through the same mistakes for sure. Right. And so most of the people that are, are listening to this show, like, like I said, they're, they're starting their journey or they're in the middle of their journey. They're still trying to figure this out. Um, and some of them may be uncomfortable because there are so many things that they don't know. Like they haven't mastered budgeting or, you know, they're in the middle of a debt-free journey and they don't know if they're going to finish. Um, and so there are all these unknowns and shame, like you said earlier. Um, so what advice would you give to that parent who's who's trying to figure it out, who wants to have these conversations, but maybe they don't feel confident enough in their own abilities to start teaching their kids? One, I would own it and just say, you know what, I, I need to be budgeting. I don't really know how to do it. I'm trying to learn. 
Um, and I, when I learn, I want to share that with you because I think it's really important or, and then maybe even listen to some podcasts together, you know, Hey, I found this really cool podcast. Let's listen to it. Um, then I'll talk about how, how it applies to me and let's talk about how it applies to you. And so then it's not really necessarily about your story is just, you know, you're, li- you're listening to this podcast and you're learning together so that they, um, kind of takes the onus off of you or they, at least the attention off of you and puts it on the podcast, but they're still getting the information they need. Awesome. Love that answer. Well, hey, Kelly, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot uh, as a parent of a two-year-old on how to talk to my daughter about money, uh, things that we'll implement. And uh, I hope the listeners have as well. But I do want to give you this opportunity to share uh, what you've got going on and where people can connect with you if they want to follow along, if they want to learn more about your mission. Yes, absolutely. My website is four words, thesmartmoneyacademy.com thesmartmoneyacademy.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under the same words. Um, And my programs uh, during the summer, I have kids programs live on Zoom or hopefully face-to-face if possible. Um, And so that's like nine to 13-ish. And we play a game and we talk about concepts like compound interest, assets and liabilities, um, all kinds of things. And then for my for the teens, so 15 all the way through uh, early 20s, really, I have an online course. It's all video based. Um, they can finish it on, you know, at their convenience. Um, and the idea for that is a five year plan to get them started off. Well, what are the basics I need to survive during this time that my income is so low and, you know, this is all new to me. And then a 50 year plan to get them thinking about passive income, get them set up well for retirement. So that's kind of the two main things that I've got going right now. Some other stuff in the works, for, but we'll stick to those two for now. <laughs> Sounds great. And for all of you listeners out there, keep in mind, I'm going to link to everywhere that you can connect with Kelly in the show notes, which you can find at winningtowealth.com slash episode 57. That is winningtowealth.com slash episode 57. That's going to have the show notes, the transcript. Uh, It's going to let you share this episode with someone else. And again, it's going to have everywhere that you can connect with Kelly uh, outside of this episode. All right. Now it's time for this week's win of the week. Jacqueline Cameron shared that she was able to renew her discount on her internet. So instead of $80 a month, she's back to paying only $50 a month. Now, if you are in the habit of always just accepting a price increase for the services that you pay for, it's time for you to stop. I want you to make it a point at least once per year to sit down and call every single service provider you pay from the insurance companies to the Internet providers. And I want you to work to negotiate a better price. Now, two things. One, you need to set this as an annual reminder on your calendar on your phone. And number two, if you have this conversation and your current provider won't budge on price, shop elsewhere for a better price. Now, usually what happens is when you come back to your current provider and you say, hey, I found a better rate, want to cancel, they'll magically find a way to reduce what you're paying. And at that point, you can decide if it's worth it to stick with that current service provider or if you want to make the switch. But either way, whatever you decide, you're paying less money and you can now use that cash to move towards your money goals. I mean, in Jacqueline's case, she went down from 80 bucks to 50 bucks. That's $360 every single year. Uh, She could use that to pay off debt. She could use that to invest. 
She can use it to buy a flight to go somewhere she's really wanted to go. You know, whatever her money goes are, she now has $360 to move towards those goals. So nice job with that win, Jacqueline. And thank you for sharing it with us. And if you're not part of the Facebook group, make sure you join this week. We're almost at 15,000 people strong in this entire group. I'm telling you, they are on fire to reach their money goals. You can find the group at winningtowealth.com slash teammates. That's winningtowealth.com slash teammates. But hey, that's all the time I have for this week. So until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. Take care. You've wrapped up another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. To learn more about how you can start making winning money decisions, head over to winningtowealth.com. 